Hello, this is Techzaman Weekly, a podcast for and about B2B content marketing. I'm Charles Commons, and along with my guests, I provide advice and hints and tips about all things B2B marketing. When I was looking through our past episodes, I was astonished to see that there isn't a single episode dedicated to what is the most popular content marketing tool available in B2B, the Humble Blog. I think it's the best way to, first of all, get noticed and build that relationship with your audience, establish your authority. It's a way to, for you to show that you know what you're talking about. I think brands are realising that it's, it is humans talking to humans at the end of the day. Gareth Hancock is a freelance copywriter and marketing blogger. Gareth has been writing since 2011 and now runs his own business out of a shed at the bottom of his garden, which he calls That Content Shed. To start today's podcast, I asked Gareth to explain the differences between copywriting, blogging and article writing. Copywriting is it's there to sell, so that'll be use copyright when you want to get the reader to take a specific action so the language is slightly different to what you'd find on a, on a blog or an article so it's more persuasive and emotional you're trying to tap into the emotions to get to get them to do what you want them to do with that's to buy something or to download something so it's more polished and, and sharp and tight you've got to really think about every word you use where blogging is more casual blogging that's about Telling rather than selling. So you're looking to engage your audience and give them value as a way to to get them to, for them to get to know you and you to get to know them. So sort of build that relationship, build trust. So it's more casual. Blog's more casual. So you write it in your own. So it'll include your own opinions. It tends to be shorter than an article. But and you build blogs around keywords, where articles not so much. But the line the line between blogs and articles. It's kind of blurred now with the internet. So, so people use them two terms interchangeably. Like they'll, they'll say an article, what they mean is a blog. Or the other end. An article really is more formal, be more research-based, less of your own opinion, more fact and research-based with quotes from experts. And the uh, you'll have a, an, an editor. If you think about a, an article is what you'd expect to read in a magazine, and a blog is what you'd expect to read on someone's website. So it's more you'd write something kind of research-based and then send it to an editor, an editor would look over it. With a blog, you'd probably edit and proofread and publish yourself on your own site. So there's, it, there's not too much difference between really what people class as a blog and article nowadays because blogs have become lengthier and more research-based now. But, yeah, you think about articles more of something you'd read in print. So so do people come to you knowing that already? So the fact that you've got those three different offerings on your services page um, suggests to me that, that people come to you and say, hi, Gareth, we'd like you to, to write a blog post or a series of blog posts for us. Um, and they also come to you and say, we'd like you to write an article based on this. Or, or do they actually just come to you and say, Hi, Gareth, I'd like you to write a blog article uh, about this subject and you then have to sort of educate your, your client in, in, well, which ones you want. Yeah, sometimes they know, but most of the time they'll come for just content. All they'll know is they need, they need content. 
And that could be, and usually that I mean uh, web copy or blog. And that, it's my my usually my job to say, right, this is what you need. Um, they, they often know kind of what they need, but they don't know what it is. So and then that's my job to say, well, be looking at probably doing an article, a long form article, or a series of blog posts, and then we'll go from there. It, sometimes they'll know, sometimes they'll just come, come in blind thinking, knowing that they just need content. So WordPress uh, actually states that the term blog is an abbreviation of weblog, um, which is a term used to describe websites that maintain an ongoing chronicle of information. There are more than 500 million recognized blogs on the internet now, according to hostingtribunal.com. One of them will actually be mine, uh, where I basically just chronicle my journey as a runner and the adventures that I have while doing that. Um, It's kind of like an online diary of, of my running adventures, if you like. But B2B blogs aren't usually based around a, a diary. So so why have them in the first place? B2B are blogs is actually, I think it's the best way to, first of all, get noticed and build that relationship with, with your audience, establish your authority. It's a way to, for you to show that you know what you're talking about. But in terms of getting noticed, uh, the stats out there, there's a HubSpot found that I think uh, 97 blogs, companies that blog received 97% more links and 67% more leads to the website just by blogging. Um, also, a blog gives you, I think, 434% better chance of being ranked highly in search engines. And it's just it's because Google loves new, fresh content. It's constantly searching for fresh content. So if, you, if your, your website is, um, if you're putting out fresh content weekly, Google sees that. Google ranks you for that. So it's a way. It's a way to get you noticed. So if you've got a static website, there's a little chance of your chance of being found are, are significantly reduced. If you've got a blog on there every week talking about something new and interesting, that's related to what you what you know, what your business is about. There's more chance of you actually indirect, probably indirectly making sales, getting noticed, getting leads. I think it's vital. Yeah, I think that when you because because one of the things so my website for for my podcasting business um is relatively new it's only been out there on uh, the internet for maybe about three months now um and i do have a blog on there that i put there and i also use that section of the website to put any press releases out there because i like to make myself feel like i'm this big media mogul um and uh, <laughs> so i put that on there as well but i'm very conscious of the fact of what I'm blogging about must be relevant to what it is that I'm doing. So in in this case, podcasting. Um, So I will only write articles or or blog posts based on um, the podcast industry and what's actually going on in the world of podcasting. Um, But I do see a lot of other freelancers that that might be, um, I don't know, graphic designers, or there's somebody that I follow who is uh, an Instagram expert. And, a lot of not not all of her blogs are based on Instagram, but they're actually based on her particular sort of you know life as being uh, you know freelance and 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 how she gets 
um, you know, either different work or, or or just her, you know, what she's done that week. So he's a little bit more like a, a diary based on her experiences. I mean, granted, yes, there are ones that are most, most of them are based around her actual business and, and what she does. But it, I found it quite interesting that Sometimes it's like she almost goes, I don't really have anything to say about what's going on in the world of of where my business sits, but I do have something to say about me. So I'll write about that. I mean, does that maybe contradict a little bit on, on the basis that you obviously want to be being seen by Google and ranked as high as possible, but you you definitely want to be being ranked for the, the correct thing. And if you're obviously a brand, then that thing is going to be who you are and what your service is and, and what you're selling. Yeah, the personal aspect that you're talking about there, that, that works because that people people are drawn to brands to like because they feel a personal connection. So if you're a freelancer doing this, yeah, building that personal connection, people are drawn to you as the, as the person. You are the business as a freelancer. So that diary aspect, people like to know what's going on in other people's lives. That's why I guess reality TV is so popular. Um, so people like people like that people like to know what's going on behind the scenes how you're doing things that's why how to posts are very uh, popular especially when they're based on based on their personal experience so that, yeah it's probably good to have a mix of different of, I mean you don't want to talk about the same thing all the time but uh, I think as a business it's definitely stick to what you know kind of thing um say you wouldn't have your running blog on your podcast um because the audience wouldn't be right so you've got you've got to know your audience you've got to give the audience the content they want to see but i think the personal thing is can be can be good yeah because people are people do like that i mean i know that at the moment with b2b brands that there's a lot of talk of 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 now marketers are now trying to move into that 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 same sort of sphere of way of operating that b2c does where where it does get more personal a bit more emotional they're recognizing that they're no longer well i say no longer but that they're, they're not just selling their product to another business they're selling their product to the people that own the business that they're trying to sell it to um and i do wonder whether we will get to a point where we will see a little bit more of that personality coming through so that therefore rather than it just being necessarily a, rather than it just having on the about me page on a brand's website where it details why they started this business in the first place and who it was that actually began it that they'll start introducing or we'll see it a bit more in their blog articles in their in in their blog posts um that personal aspect of what's going on in their business or their industry as a whole i mean do, do you think that's actually something that's, that's that's going to be possible or do you think because b2b can be quite stuffy in a way and i i sort of look at it sometimes and go just just be a bit more yourself and maybe you'll you'll get somewhere a bit further or a bit quicker i think that's already happening a lot of i've noticed a lot of the clients i work with have slightly tweaked the tone of voice it's a lot more conversational than it used to be. It used to be, here's how you do something, that it was like a jargon-filled textbook of a blog, basically. Now it's, more, it's a lot more conversational and the tone of voice has changed. I think brands are realising that it's, it is humans talking to humans at the end of the day. 
So you're going to make that connection, whether you whether you are selling to business or not. Like you like you said, it's a it's a person on the other end that's making the decision at the end of the day, not not a business. The IAB I I've noticed uh, actually states that seventy six percent of B two B marketers currently blog or have a blog post on their website, um, but there's that that still leaves twenty four percent, which I think is quite a high number. That's that's nearly a quarter of of all marketed you know sorry of all surveyed marketers um so what advice would you give to those 24 percent about getting started uh just get started <laughs> i mean just pick a topic and start right and obviously write what you know uh, i know people i know a lot the common question i get is i don't have anything to write about people aren't just aren't sure what to write about so they don't get started but the answers are in your audience. The easiest way to start is just find out what questions your audience is asking. Just go out and ask them on social media or through surveys. Find out what problems they have and then answer those problems, fix those problems in blog posts. So one, a couple of tips I give to clients who are struggling with topics and getting started is there's a couple of tools. Uh, one is answerthepublic.com. So uh, what you do is you go there and you type your keywords in. So say if I was selling an email marketing software, I could go there to answer the public and type in email marketing. And then that generates all the questions that people are asking. So people might be asking, what is email marketing? How do I improve my open rates? And they'll create all these, all these questions and you can just pluck a question out and write a blog post on it. Another another good tool is uh, Quora. So you see people going to Quora all the time to ask questions, and then people will go on there and answer the questions. And I tell clients just just go on there and find, type your keywords in, and see what questions people are asking, see what problems they have, and then solve them. From there's always even if you think it's been done before, or you're not writing a blog post because someone's already said what you would have said. It's never been said by you in your voice, from your perspective. So there's there's always there's always things you can say. There's always people struggling with something that you'll have the answer to. So I mean, just just get just get stuck in. Just just do it. I think what what you said there about um, you know, it may have been you know what what you're talking about may have been said before, but it's never been said by you. That that really stands out to me. Um, I, I I I do struggle sometimes. I sort of go, I know I should write a blog post, but what am I going to talk about? Um, and then I I'll, I'll find a you know I'll, I'll think of something to then 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 write about. Um, so I go and do a little bit of research just to make sure that in my mind I go, yes, I do know what I'm talking about, and I'll end up no doubt, finding an article by somebody else who has basically written the article that I was thinking of writing. Um, and I then go, oh, okay, maybe maybe I don't need to write this article because it's already there. But as you say, actually, you know, the answers might already be out there, but not they've not come from you. And the whole point is to get, you know, show that you're knowledgeable. Nobody's going to necessarily think, I, I, I hope so anyway, nobody's going to think, oh, you've just copied that from another another website um as long as you use your own words and you write it 
yourself or you know you get somebody to write it like you for instance in that person's tone your own tone then you're not going to be plagiarizing you are literally just talking about the same subject but from your experience as opposed to the other person's yeah exactly and because something's already on there doesn't mean people have seen it yes people so i mean that could be what you're saying could be the first time somebody's actually come across that topic at all especially with all the ways you can find a website these days through social media and search engines and all that malarkey. You can, uh, I mean, yeah, there's always, it's always worth doing, even if it's it's been done a thousand times. So can you just talk us through your process for writing a, a blog post for us, Gareth? So sort of from the moment that you're commissioned to write it all the way through to the point where it gets published. Okay, so the first thing would be get the brief down. Because you, you want to know, I mean, you shouldn't write a word before you know exactly what it is you're going to say. Because you just, you'll end up talking gibberish or going off on tangents. So you need to be clear on that one idea. So get the brief down, work out exactly what it is you want to say, uh, who you're talking to, uh, what you're talking about, and the, the purpose of the post or what you want to get from the post. And then once, that, once that's nailed, I'll go off and research. Um, the topic, make sure I'm clued up on what needs to do, what needs to be done. But then I'll get, uh, then I'll outline the post. So I'll break it down into the sections, things I want to talk about. That might not be set in stone, but it'll give me a rough idea of what makes the writing easy because I know roughly how the blog is going to flow down the page. Um, then I'll do a first draft, and then I'll go through through the first draft and tweak it, edit, add, add in the links and the images and then credit any sources. Then we'll go back through and edit again and then proofread before, before it gets sent off. Um, sometimes on the outline stage, I'll send over the outline to the client to get their okay on the, make sure they're happy with how the post is roughly going to look before cracking on with the actual writing. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty much, it's the same process every time. Sometimes I need to get I need to do more work to get the brief. So I'll have a briefing document that I can send to clients uh, with questions that they can answer, so I can get the information I need. Sometimes they'll yeah, have the brief down. They'll say like, and if it's a topic I know, which it mostly is now. I mostly uh, I work with a lot of uh, SaaS companies and stuff, so. I often have knowledge on the topic I'm writing about. As a copywriter, it's more varied, but as a blogger, I have a rough idea of what I'm talking about. So I don't, the research doesn't take as long and get stuck in. So if you were going to actually be sort of talking to just a marketer that, that's decided they're not going to hire somebody like you to do it for them, but they're just going to go ahead and do it, would you, would you actually say to them, write your own brief to yourself for your post so that you can always refer back to that to make sure you're staying on on, on track maybe throughout the writing process? Yes, you, you always want to know. I mean, if you're doing your own blogs and you, you know, it's your business and you're talking about what you know, I guess you have an idea and you'll have a, a good idea in your head of what you want to talk about. So then you could probably go straight to the outline of that post and get the outline down. And that kind of keeps you on track. I mean, it'd be good to have that brief to go back to, to 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 show that you're not straying away from the original idea when you're writing. Because it's easy to go off on tangents or to talk about different things that aren't related to that original idea. 
So that's a good, yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Yes. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I like to tell you, isn't it? <laughs> Are there any particular uh, sort of go-to styles of blog posts that, that you champion in, in, in particular, Gareth? Um, I know that so when I've kind of looked at it, you, you've, you can kind of see that there's lists. Um, there might be, um, you know, an experience style uh, of blog where you literally are almost like a diary saying oh I went to this particular convention and and this is what I saw there um is there anything that you kind of have as a go-to or just something that you sort of go if you're going to start doing blogging then maybe start with this particular way of doing it first yeah um not particularly I think um list posts are always good long list posts uh I mean, there's so many, like, five things to do. But, if I mean, the longer list posts, so you're going into depth on, I mean, you see more now, like, 53 ways to increase traffic and things like that. If Those things are good if you can, if you can get really in-depth on a topic, on a list post. I mean, list posts are they're great for getting clicks. They've always been great for driving traffic. Um, Research-backed, data-driven posts. So any research you've done that maybe original research in your industry, those things are good. Um, success posts that solve problems. Um, so those will be the things like how we got three million hits in two months. You see them sort of things where you go in and show people how you've done something. Those things are always good. Like you said there, the, you mentioned personal stories, the experience posts, they're always good. Even things like, uh, I mean, an easy way to write a post and get traffic is to get yeah, expert advice posts. So you'll just go out and ask experts in your industry a, a question and you'll, you'll gather those answers in a post. Um, they're good because they also tap into the audiences of the experts. So early, in the early days, I mean, if you, that, that's really great for getting traffic from lots of other sources because Experts will share on their Twitter feeds or Facebook pages, and you can join their audiences into your posts. But what I would say is, um, rather than style, a type of post is to go focus on evergreen content, um, which is evergreen content is so it's a post that doesn't date easily, so it's not based on news or a trend where it could be out of date in two months. This is a post where you could go to it in three years' time and the the advice in the post will still be relevant. Uh, uh, HubSpot, I think it was HubSpot. I'm pretty sure it was HubSpot. Found that I think every for every one compounding post, a compounding post is an evergreen post. Just another term for it. Mm. it. Compounding means where organic traffic will increase over time because that post mm. is relevant for years. So I think every, for every one every one compounding post is is generates. Six times as much traffic as, uh, sorry, drives generates as much traffic as six regular posts combined. Wow! So if you're if you're gonna if you can create one evergreen post a month, I mean that could keep you in business for five years down the line. People could still be reading that post and coming to you for, for advice. So rather than a particular style, I'd say that try and focus on that. Even if whatever you're doing, the list post or uh, a success post if you can make it evergreen then you're laughing 
So, so what are your your top blogging tips, Gareth? Is there, is there a perfect blog template for B two B marketing? So tips, I would say, talk about what you know. Uh, if you're not talking about what you know, you, there's a chance you'll come across as a bit of a fraud. So I always say stick to what you know. In terms of writing a post, make it skimmable. So most people skim read a post. Uh, I think Nielsen done a study which found that I think on average, realistically, people will only read 20% of the text on a page. So what they'll do is they'll go on a post or they'll read the headline. If they like the headline, they might read the intro. And then what they'll do is they'll skip to bits that stand out to them just to try and get the gist rather than take everything in. So make to make it skim really, you've got to break your post up into subheadings. So, I mean, in a list post, that's easy because you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But in any other post, just have sections. And it's about making it easy on the eyes, really. Make, please the eyes before you please the mind kind of thing. So, so if, you, if it's easy to easy on the eyes, especially online, which is it's harder to read online because it, obviously with, with the backlight of the hurt your eyes. So if you can make, include a lot of subheadings in your posts, short sentences, short paragraphs, so a lot of white space in between, no long blocks of text, but you'd expect, you know, in a, it's fine on print maybe, but not in, not online. A lot of white space around your content just to make it easy to read. That'd be the, the biggest thing I'd say. In terms of a template, uh, I'd say keep the intro short. Let readers know what they are going to learn in the post so they can decide whether they want to read it there and then. And that obviously, that, that, and if you have a let's say a bulleted list of everything that's going to be included in the post, that allows those skim readers to just jump to the section they want, uh, and then from there they might go back and read other sections and whatnot. Um, then usually subheadings to break up the post. And the, I'm doing all this, but you can't see this, but I'm using my hands all over the place at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so break uh, you break your post up into subheadings, and then have a wrap up at the end, which goes back covers the. Uh, so hammers home the main points, gives a bit of a recap on what you've said, mm. and then signs off with a call to action, which whether you want them to get them to contact you or I mean you don't have to have a call to action, but if you want to get them to contact you or uh, download something, so you can put that right at the end of your post. I mean, one of the things that I see quite often in uh, so 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 in in, in in I suppose in our field is if we're writing a, a blog post for our own websites to to hopefully drive traffic and and, and generate leads, then you know the at the end of the blog post you'll kind of have a a line that showcases that the blog post is actually finished, and then underneath there'll be a little bit of kind of like if you'd like to know more about doing this or you know do you like help doing this, then please contact me or click my link or you know here's the button for my contact page or to open your email with my email address already in it kind of thing i mean what do you think that kind of thing works in 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 b two b as well or would you actually maybe advise don't don't do that you know if they're on your website? Then and the blog post that they're reading is more sort of you know generic and is that doing that personal sort of just building that relationship? Then you don't want to push the sales too hard. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. They are more about engagement than selling. Obviously, blog posts. It's about it's about building the audience and giving value to your audience. But I, I don't see any harm in in having a little bit at the bottom that says if you'd like to learn more, download our guide or whatever, or contact us. Um, 
because sometimes readers do need that prompt and they expect it. We we all expect we all expect to see these buttons and um, pages and stuff. We uh we I think people like to be uh like to be given those instructions of what to do next. But you you always want the you always want the person reading the post to, to take those next steps. And if that means downloading a guide or whatever, then definitely have a little little bit at the end that little call to action that encourages them to do that. They don't have to do it, obviously. I'd say I don't think there's any harm in having that there. I'm hoping that I've got this right now, Gareth, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I believe you started writing professionally in, in 2011. Um, what do you wish that you'd known then, what you know now? Wow. Um, I mean, if we're sticking to keeping on the blogging thing, I guess I wish I'd have known how useful blogging could, can be to business. I, mean, I started writing, yeah, 2011. Uh, I was just writing for clients. I never, I think I was writing for a good year and a half before I actually made a website, which was awful. But um, I didn't blog on it. And then when, one, when I started that content share in 2017, I, I immediately started blogging, giving tips and advice. And I've had, I've had a large percentage of my clients have come from from my blogs not then that's not just because what the blog says as much as the tone of voice in the blog and it, it shows that i know what i'm talking about but it also is that writing style people get to see that writing style from the whole blog so i wish i'd have known how useful it would be because i would have done i'd have fared better in those early days if i was blogging i think Especially when, especially when there wasn't as many blogs back then, because they are they are massive. They are yeah. Even indirectly, just people seeing it keeps you front of mind a lot of the time. If you've got a blog that goes out every week, and it just keeps you it keeps you fresh and it keeps you front of mind. And and then if a need comes where someone's got a problem, they'll maybe think of you first. If you're there every week and they're reading your content. You're the, you're the business they'll come to first when they need, in my case, writing. But whatever it is you do, then uh, you can be that person to come to. My thanks to Gareth Hancock. You can find out more about Gareth and his work on his website, thatcontentshed.com. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast. It really does help more people to find the show. Thank you to everybody that's already done so. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tech Demand Weekly. I'll be back next week with more B2B content marketing advice.